everybody, this is the Lament Configuration Horror Podcast, home of the Video Nasties. Uh, my name is Greg Knox, and I'm here with my regular co-host, uh, someone who you definitely want to be stuck on an island with, Reoffend. <laughs> Hi, Greg. Great introduction once again. <laughs> Thank you very much. I, I come up with it all myself. It's all my own work. <laughs> and of course, I'm here as ever to pick up the body count for today's show. Indeed. Um, so um, before we get started with the show, um, because one of the films we're going to be talking about on the show today is particularly nasty, um, it's only appropriate for Rhea to give you a regular disclaimer that we play before every single one of these video nasty shows. I shall take it away. Warning, the following broadcast may contain spoilers, extreme language, violence and topics considered graphic or adult, not for those of a sensitive disposition. Thank you very much for that. Um, now, <laughs> before we move on, um, on our last show, we were talking about a film called Evil Speak. And what happened was we finished uh, recording the show. And at the end, we suddenly realized that we hadn't actually discussed the most important bit of the whole show, which is whether Evil Speak is a video nasty or not. So Ria, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, we're only human. Hey, you know, let us off that this time. Um, yes, I would say no. It's not a video nasty. It really wasn't that controversial. I enjoyed it. What about you? Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed the film. Um, the film, when it was released originally, was very heavily cut, probably for the murders with the evil satanic pigs that we talked about in the last show, and also for the satanic influences of it, because obviously I suppose how they viewed it was they didn't want it to influence people to uh, become Satanists. <laughs> um evil satanic computers and all that um but yeah um based on sort of nowadays looking through today's eyes uh no i don't believe it should have been a video nasty uh and which is backed up by the fact that the film is available uncut from 88 films and you can buy it on either dvd or blu-ray right now um so yeah if you uh liked the sound of the film from the last show by all means you can check it out there from those guys they do very good work and i i believe that the pigs are a strong selling point and not controversial so there we go there we go although the woman being eaten in the shower by the pigs that was another reason that the film was controversial at the time probably because she was naked i'd imagine yeah i would imagine that's uh why they that's why they did it <laughs> <laughs> So um, we just quickly had to do that just to sort of tie up uh, loose ends for the last show. Um, so uh, we're moving on to um, three new films that we're discussing on today's show. Now these all, uh, because when compiling all these shows, sometimes it's really easy to put shows together and sometimes you have to try and think a little bit outside the box. Um, but I was quite fortunate because on the show today, um, we have three films that are all set on an island, which is very, very useful. Um, so the first one of which um, even gives it away in the name of the film itself is Island of Death, which is directed by Nico Masterakis. Um, now, like a lot of video nasties, this has a number of alternative titles. Um, so this is also known as uh, Island of Perversion, very apt, uh, A Craving for Lust, uh, Devils in Mykonos, <laughs> uh, Ch Children of the Devil, <laughs> Uh, Cruel Destination, which sounds like a bit of a Final Destination ripoff. <laughs> I guess. Not fight Cruel Destination. Um, Killing Daylight, which it just sounds rubbish. And my personal favourite uh, makes no sense, Psychic Killer 2. Well, the reason it makes no sense is because it was all set in Greece and written and directed by uh, Greek people. So I think originally I've got here that it was Ta Tapeda to Diavolo. 
which I'm not sure how that, that translates, but it's from the Greek, so that's why the titles won't make any sense because they will have translated. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, when films are released in other countries apart from, you know, the uh, original country, then yeah, really you could put any old title on there. Hence why, yeah, in the UK, one of the alternative titles is Psycho Killer 2. I know, Psychic Killer 2 even, God. <laughs> it makes even less sense than Psycho Killer 2. Um, so, <laughs> um, this film, I'm just going to come out and say it. Um, there's a lot of very, very perverted, kinky films that happen in this film. So, um, for those of a particularly sensitive nature, even though Rhea's already given you our regular disclaimer, you may not want to listen to this. Um, but we are only quoting what happens in the film, so don't blame us. Yeah. Um, it's pretty fucked up, but I'm going to recommend watching this film because I actually thought it was a good watch because it's so shocking. Hmm. So, um, for the uninitiated, what is the film Island of Death about? Well, it's 1976, and as I say, it was set in Greece. Um, I've got quite an affinity with this film because I used to live in Greece on an island for a while, so I enjoyed the setting. However, the content is something else. So, So, the rough synopsis is, a perverse couple who are maniac killers are on the loose on the Greek island of Mykonos. Yeah, that is it, to a T, <laughs> basically. Well, there's a lot more to it than that, and as we have um, discussed, we've made more notes on this film than probably any other film that we've covered so far, because there's a lot of material here to talk about. Yes, there's a lot that happens in the film, and uh, <laughs> yeah, how it Exploitation starts... film at, at its greatest, really. Exploitation at its greatest, let's say. Yes. Uh, and how it starts is it starts off in that way that a lot of films do where it's set at a point and it's a character thinking back to the past and kind of how they got to the position that they're in now. So we see Christopher in a lime pit and he thinks back. So it's him and well, now this is the thing. So we find out that so the main characters in this film are Christopher and Celia who at points say that they're cousins or their husband and wife but it turns out they're actually brother and sister and they have sex in this film so one of the yeah so you got incest so you can tick that one off your particular taboo list that this film breaks oh, straight I away. also saw it coming that they chose Mykonos for a reason so that they can exploit um, homosexuality and they do you know they they slag it off and use it to their advantage in the film and it's just so weird but I knew that that's why they picked that out that island so that they could like play on that as well mm. so <laughs> it's quite interesting as I said um, Rhea you enjoyed the film I take it so that's correct yeah just because I wasn't expecting it to actually have any kind of notable points in it and this film is fucking relentless like Christ it does not give up like there is so much in this film and it is so fucked up that I was genuinely surprised and I'm actually going to say that if if you're a horror fan I'd recommend watching it because it's seriously fucked. Yeah I I actually agree so for the same reason in that I mean I feel guilty saying that I enjoyed it. (laughs) I feel really bad, but I enjoyed this. It's so fucked up. (laughs) No, I I enjoyed it for the same reason. It's really, really fucked up. I mean, the plot of the film, there isn't really a plot. It's a bunch of, you know, these Christopher and Celia, these two, this couple, they go on the island, they kill lots of people. um, They're on the island for some reason, some like cop is after them in England who somehow makes it to the, like to the island themselves. um, So the things they did in England, and then um, they, yeah, go on this rampage 
And that's basically it. <laughs> there isn't really a lot of kind of like other plot than that, but that's fine because what actually happens is so unbelievably perverse. A lot of it, there's a lot of um, <laughs> firsts, like, yeah. with, as we will discuss. And um, yeah, and so, first it's like a nice, it's like a nice holiday. It's like I feel like sometimes when film locations like this are chosen and they're so pretty and picturesque it's like oh maybe they just wanted to make a film and have a holiday at the same time in like a really you know picturesque beautiful location um it's yeah it's just so creepy and like um unsettling how this beautiful location is so spoiled with all of this like perverse fucked up like activity that goes on through the film it's just so hard to see that in such a um idyllic holiday location <laughs> yeah i mean on the version that i watched there was a lot of like travelogy type footage where it's just random scenes of the island and just the people there and things that are happening which you do get in a lot of these films that are aimed at like a, a western audience it's like look it's greece it's very exotic you would like it here it's hot all the time all the all the whitewashed walls and the like beautiful like all the all the plants and the flowers and sunshine and everything and then it's contrasted with the grimmest content it's just unbelievable Yes, and speaking of which, um, literally right at the start of the film, um, so we've got uh, Christopher and Celia, um, they're in a phone box having sex, and Christopher has a great idea to uh, call his mum, which <laughs> actually turns out to be both their parents, yeah. well, both their mum. Yeah. Um, he calls them and says, hi, guess what I'm doing now? <laughs> yeah. As you do. Yeah. And then this is intercepted by Foster, who is the policeman, who for some reason is tapping his mum's phone. So he now knows where they are, which uh, plays into the film later. Um, now, uh, Rhea is a deaf count girl. And there's quite a few deaths in this film. And the first one is uh, a Randy Frenchman. Unfucking believable how many deaths they have. <laughs> but swearing such that, a actually, lot, but I'm just still like in shock from watching this film just unbelievable so yeah 11 11 deaths total but wow they are elaborate and grim <laughs> now I, i'm including we talking... the goat in this death in this yes in this this is list. what i was gonna say so on a previous show when we talked about mountain of the cannibal god we had a uh, man fucking a pig in isle of death we have man fucking a goat yeah so yeah not long after the phone box scene and after um, they're sort of mooching about um, having their kind of little holiday break and you don't really know how grim it's going to get. Like, you think that's fucked up with the phone call and you're like, oh, you know, this is unsettling. And she, I believe she says, Celia, she says, uh, good Lord, what a perversion, <laughs> which in a very British accent. <laughs> As you do. And they talk about coming from London and it's all kind of hammed up, like how British she is and how British they are and everything. And, so they're getting away from it all over there. And um, so he gets wound up and shows kind of how he can be a bit a bit tapped um, because he sees a woman having sex through a window and he says that he would kill her if, like, she was cheating on him or something like that. Yeah, I believe he says the exact words are, bitch, she's a bloody bitch is what she is. Yeah, so he's getting quite wound up and you're like, oh, wow, okay. So he's already rang his mum and had sex down the phone. Now he's getting, like, quite wound up at something that, like, isn't related to him and he's saying that he would do something extreme. 
then he sort of tells this um, painter that his, who you think is his girlfriend or wife is his cousin. And you think, oh, that's a bit fucked up. And then there's this whole scene where he's, they're in bed together and he he wakes up in the morning and he's like wanting to have sex and she says, oh, I'm too tired, leave me alone. So he goes out on this hunt for just whatever to relieve his frustration and he finds this cute little white coat and uh, yeah, anyway, boy does it scream. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's not, um, you, can, you can really tell that it's kind of so staged so it's not too bad but obviously the connotation of him raping it is quite grim and then he kills the goat so there we have it i know he's not a human being but i'm gonna put him on the death list because i loved that goat (laughs) did it bother you as much as the man fucking a pig that's the big question everyone wants to know no it didn't it didn't bother me that much i kind of i chuckled a little bit because it is like so obviously faked and the blood's so fake and he just kind of He's holding it, he's obviously simulating having sex with it, but he's kind of holding it and it's just, you know, it's not really that big a deal. But no, no, obviously no. the premise of it is like grim because you know how, you know by this point how unsettled he is. And yeah, goat rape. So <laughs> there we go. So number one, poor little goat. And you know that I like goats because we had that conversation about the witch you know black philip yeah exactly he was was my poor black philip he wouldn't appreciate being fucked by a man no no black philip was my homeboy so didn't appreciate this you know (laughs) so there we go number one goats it's on my list (laughs) and then we have our randy frenchman who is number two on the list who uh it's quite interesting because Christopher earlier in the film he says, I don't like that man over there. He's a dirty bastard. <laughs> Does he really? Yeah, he says that when they're having dinner. Well, yeah, he sets that whole thing up in his weird, fucked up way because he's like, so they like meet this guy who's like painting houses out there. And mm. so he's the painter. And he lets this guy, he leads this guy into believing that they're cousins. So he thinks that she's like fair game for chatting up. So he like walks him right into that. And he's like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, yeah, okay, flirt with her. And then she goes off like and sees him. And this French guy like obviously tries to seduce her. She's, She's an attractive woman. For some reason there aren't that many women around on there. It seems to be mostly men. So he makes a beeline for her. And um, they end up having sex outside on the grass whilst the, who we now know is the brother, Christopher, yeah, he t- he takes photographs because he's got like, they had an extra room that they took when they took the property to rent it at first. And she says, oh, my husband will be using it to develop his photographs because that's what he likes to do. So you know that they're already going to do that and he's took his professional camera. So he's sat on the rooftop while they're having sex and he's like photographing the whole thing. It's just so fucked up because at this point you still think that he's her husband when actually he's her brother. Oh, God. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I'm not over this. But anyway, so number two, the painter. So he comes down from the roof. He hammers some nails into his hand, into the floor, crucifies him in a traditional biblical style, and then takes the painty water, the like as in white emulsion water that he's been painting the, the walls of the exterior of houses with, and he pours it down his throat, but not just a little bit, like a whole damn bucket 
of this painty, emulsiony water until the guy has probably drowned inside his lungs or from chemicals. Um, and then blood comes out of his mouth and he dies. So it's all a jolly good time on this island. Mm. Yes, and what I, I actually did like is um, with the scenes where you've got Christopher and Celia as well, sometimes as well, where they're taking pictures, where you've got like that montage of images, like one after the other really quickly. Um, I actually quite like that effect. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like, it's not bad actually with the way it's shot. Yeah, I thought it was actually shot quite well. I think that's one of the reasons that even though the acting and the plot are a bit like iffy, although they're not horrendous by any stretch of your imagination, but they're not tr- what you would classify uh, as a traditionally a good film. Um, I actually think it's quite the the shots are quite well composed. And I quite like the set pieces, and I thought the film looked nice. It did make good use of the location and the, uh, as you said, the the chalk white sort of back uh, houses and buildings and things like that. So yeah, I thought it was. Um, very well composed film yeah i agree yeah and it's um by no means boring you don't have any opportunity to solve oh god it certainly is not boring oh my god <laughs> <It's> so... <laughs> it does not allow you to be bored it is one scene literally one scene after another of just total perversion just with barely anything to connect them together really yeah exactly it's just onslaught of perverse activity so um number three so they meet this gay couple and there's this uh, there's this very sort of deaverish um quite loud sort of camp man who they meet in the street and he invites them to his engagement party um and she says oh who's the lucky girl or who's the lucky female or something wife to be and he goes oh lord no you know it's my it's my boyfriend it's my fiance um you're on mykonos so she's like oh right okay so they decide that they're gonna go to this celebration and yeah he ends up getting killed with a sword after he's been chased around the street by christopher yes and that is after like uh, him and celia watch them in bed together and uh, at one point um one of the uh, the gay characters says to the other one tell me where you want me to bite you yeah <laughs> which is like uh yeah obviously after that he christopher's very very he's not pleased he's not very um He's not very liberated in his views, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I think I've got, um, I've got a quote here. Um, he, he says something about a homosexual that didn't deserve to live. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> so homophobic, this film. Um, just like, you know, breaching so much controversy and... <laughs> Yeah, you most certainly wouldn't be allowed to get away with this today, let's put it that way. There's a lot of uh, homophobia from Christopher mainly itself. So it's not the, the one of the um <laughs> one of the things that seems to happen with certain films is people accuse films of being one way or another when a character is that way. Um so the film itself is not homophobic, but the Christopher character is certainly very very bigoted in many ways, and that's one of them. So yeah, um, and then... He sees them as perverse just because they're gay, basically. Yeah, there are a lot of references in, in this film to where Celia is sort of saying to Christopher, you're taking this more seriously than me and I don't I don't want to do these things and you said there'd be no more victims and she's kind of getting dragged along with it. But at this point when they're, they've watched that couple, the the gay couple in bed and then he's chased the larger man with the sword around the streets... He leaves her with the kind of young, sort of more um, vulnerable... Effeminate, shall we say. <laughs> yeah, more effeminate, more vulnerable 
her fiance in the bedroom and she sort of she's kind of she's sort of reverting from being just as perverse as Christopher and getting into it and kind of playing like a like a partner to him in terms of being just equally as fucked up and like they're like a tag team. But she's <laughs> a then tag team of yeah, perverts. Tag team of psycho fucking perverts rampaging around Mykonos. Um but um but then she's kinda of playing the innocent female as well and she's like coaxing the young fiance out of his kind of fear because he's like paralyzed with fear on the bed and he doesn't know what to do. Um, then she just takes a gun out and she like makes him put it in his mouth and suck it. And then she just, um, blows his brains out. And then part that really got me was that they quite quickly and cleverly cut to some, them eating like some breakfast. And it was like, you know, like when you get like a cherry compote or like like, almost like jam and it's like really red and bloody and lumpy. Like, um, reduced cherries, cooked cherries. It was like that, that they're eating with a spoon just right after uh, she shot his brains out the back of his head into the wall. And it's like, whoa, pretty cool, but so fucked up at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest, I would say that that scene, even by itself, ignoring what's happened before and what indeed happens afterwards, is going to be. Because basically you've got a guy filleting a gun barrel. Now that in itself, anything to do with guns or even sex acts like that, the BBFC have a massive problem with. So yeah, I can quite easily see where this was prosecuted. Um, it's quite interesting you mentioned Celia and her motivation because although Christopher, he was his motivation was very consistent throughout the film, she was a little bit more wishy-washy, whereas like you said, and I agree with this, like at points she is very much, she seems to be very hesitant, very reluctant to do the things that Christopher is doing and doesn't really want to get involved, whereas other times she just seems to be very, very into it, like this scene that, you know, that we discussed just now. So it was just very inconsistent in her character's motivation. And that was one of the only real issues that I had with the film. Yeah, really. yeah, I didn't, wouldn't say I had an issue with it, but yeah, it did, that did sort of spring to mind. And a couple of other things was like, she was sort of being pretty sarcastic when I think one of the victims like faints and she goes, oh, poor thing, he fainted. Like she really doesn't give a shit. But she's just saying it anyway, and it's quite sort of like, oh, it's like, um, makes you feel very uneasy, because it's like, she is pretty fucked up, but then she's she's playing on, like, not being, and kind of blaming it on him, which she does all the way through the film. The part that really got to me was, because um, they took lots of photographs, I think it was maybe of that, that couple, like the the larger man and the, the fiancé, I think it was them, but then they get the photos developed because obviously this was back in '76. Uh, so um, they get the photos developed like properly in the dark room, and he puts them on the bed one morning because it keeps cutting back to them in their room, kind of in between killings, like just having their holiday time. And he starts to masturbate to the photos, and then she joins in, and like that really got to me. It was like wow how fucked up are you and she was like Mm. reluctant at first but then she joined in and i was like yeah you're definitely as fucked up as he is Mm. 
And then at that point, we get the amazing song Destination Understanding, which <laughs> blurts out over the soundtrack, um, which uh, is amazing. It's very, very cheesy, sort of. I don't know if it's supposed to be really Greek sounding, if it's even got anything to do with the film whatsoever, if it was written for the film, but it's absolutely amazing. Let's just put it that way. In fact, I actually quite like a lot of the music in this film. Yeah, me too. There was one at the beginning that was really cheesy and funny as well, but then Destination Understanding really does take the prize, I think. And then we have the death of Foster, who manages to locate the couple uh, on the island somehow. Um, and he's uh, killed in a very imaginative way, I thought. Yeah, so death number five is Foster. So they tie him to a plane. They, he's absolutely terrified, as you would be if you were tied to one of those very small um, kind of planes with two seats in. And um, they fly him, fly him up and he's kind of hanging on but he's like loosely tied with this rope and then eventually he sort of comes dislodged and the rope's tied around his neck anyway so then he's hanging off the plane and he's actually he's hung by the rope and then they kind of look out the window and they're like oh do you think he's dead and they're like yep yep think he's dead okay cut him down so they cut him loose and he like falls into the sea and he's dead <laughs> Now, I wanted to see him hanging from the plane. I think that would have made an amazing visual. You could have done that quite easily with like a dummy and if shot far away, it will look convincing enough. But no, it didn't do that. Oh, uh, the version that I watched, they had like a small bit where he's kind of hanging and then they cut him down. So... Um, and then uh, we have another scene um, which is absolutely amazing and hilarious in many ways. So there is a cougar type character who's called Patricia. Yeah. Now, very interestingly, because I know you're a huge fan of trauma, um, the actress oh, who plays trauma, Patricia. Trauma. Yes. Um, the actress who plays Patricia, uh, her name's Jessica Dublin. She actually appears in a Toxic Avenger Part 2 and Part 3. Yeah. Oh, cool. Awesome. I didn't, I didn't know that, but that's an interesting fact. We missed an amazing quote from Foster when he gets cut into the ocean that uh, Christopher says, I hope he's got a waterproof watch, which I found hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so cheesy. Yeah, so Patricia, she, so she's in tro two trauma films. Yes, so she's in there, so Tox Avenger Part 2 and Part 3. And Does she play a cougar in those as well? I Well, she looks pretty cougarish in this, and those films are obviously after island of teff so god um so um the most amazing thing happens um in this scene so christopher goes to see patricia and um he's not really gonna fuck her although she really wants him to and so what he does instead is he gives her a golden shower yeah and at first she's really shocked and she's like oh what are you doing Whoa. and then she like she must just think well this is what he likes doing so she gets really into it and she's like oh yeah <laughs> and she starts like She's like, I think this is before he does the golden shower. She like, she starts like licking her lips at him in this really seductive over the top oh, way. But it's so cringy. It's just so cringy. And she's in like this, one of those kind of cheap, nasty pink baby dolls, like lay on the bed, like, come and get me. And then he just pisses on her. So <laughs> she's not expecting that. I don't think she's too pleased at first. And then she gets into it. So it's all a bit weird and fucked up, as is the whole film. And then. No one expects a golden shower. <laughs> so then he just beats her to death and, like, bangs her head against the floor. It's so damn brutal. Yeah, similar to a death in um, The Cannibal Man, so except on the floor instead of a wall. Yeah, 
yeah, brutal. It's just like, yeah, crazy. And then he decides to run over with a bulldozer just to finish her off. Well, not not just that. Not only does he run her over, he like literally decapitates her using the bulldozer itself. So he lowers the uh, the arm of the bulldozer right sort of just below her head and just decapitates her, which I thought was pretty fucking awesome, to be honest. <laughs> it's brutal as fuck. <laughs> and then, yeah, I mean, this film is moving pretty fast. We've got so much going on here. So um, Death 7 and 8 together is like two hippie rapists who they meet in the village. And I think one of them is uh, suggestively eating a phallic-looking cucumber whilst he's walking <laughs> along. <laughs> oh, Jesus. What the hell? Um, yeah, just taking his cucumber out as a snack there, like a, a whole damn cucumber that he's going to suggestively put into his mouth. And then... They sort of they try or they rape the wife. They're trying to rape well, the wife. Well, they try to. They well, they, they, they basically go into the their flat. She's having a bath, so she's naked. She the actress who plays here does get naked at least five different times in this film, especially quite at the hot, end. So especially, don't really mind. Especially at the end, she gets naked a whole lot. Yes, she really does get naked a lot, which isn't a bad thing necessarily. And um, they are trying to rape her, but then. Uh, Christopher turns up and kills both of them, uh, one of whom is drowned uh, in a toilet. So that's a pretty... Uh, what a way to go. So drowned in a toilet. <laughs> and then uh, we presume the other one is like beaten to death or something. I didn't yeah, really we'll just say he's out. beaten to death. Yeah, I couldn't really make that out. And uh, so that's death seven and eight. Um, they deserve to die, in my opinion. <laughs> fucking hippie rapists um, mm. <laughs> thoroughly unpleasant guys so I was quite glad to see the back of them then there's another kind of lesbian love scene um, uh, I think it's like Celia's like the lure again and then Christopher comes in and she's like a heroin addict like this the, yeah. the woman and then he like injects her with more heroin like way too much and then he also gets a bottle of booze and she's like lay on the floor and he pours it down her throat in the same kind of way they did with like the painty water bucket and he's just literally just pouring so much into her mouth. And then she's kind of laying there sort of conscious but choking I think and he decides to go over her face with a blowtorch to finish her off. So again, all fun mm. and games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So not only have you sort of forced her to have an overdose um you then sort of made her sort of drink this whole bottle of wine or alcohol whatever whatever it was and then yep you've uh, just not that's not enough and gone gone and burnt her to death as well and now the burning effects i don't think were that effective however i did like the way that anyone who's uh, been a bit naughty and taken like a, a deodorant can and sort of held like sort of a lighter in front of it and then sprayed through the light that looks really awesome, and then that's basically what they did here. So, yeah. yeah. Plus, in in her state that she was in on the floor, it's very fitting with it to be quite blurred, like how it was filmed. Um, just sort of added to the effect to go all. So I like that as well. And then moving swiftly on, because so much happens in this film, as you said. Um, so Christopher has prevented Celia being raped, but then he tries to rape. I believe it's the woman whose house they're staying in. I believe. Yeah. Or it's someone who works in the house, or it's a local anyway. It doesn't really matter who it is. Um, so he tries to rape her, but she manages to run away. Yeah. 
that's the one that he's chasing, yeah? Yes, yeah. So he's chasing her um, away. She goes into um, a room in the house and she thinks that she's gotten away from Christopher. But in fact, dun dun dun, she has not. He's got a fucking scythe. I don't know where that came from, but... It was in the garden. Oh, it's a pretty awesome weapon and pretty awesome kill. And he's sort of, he's brandishing this scythe, which is very menacing. And then he, like, puts it through the door and it goes through a back. So that's pretty cool. Um, Not a bad uh, effect there as well. Yeah, it's a really cool effect, I would say. Yeah. And we, so in total there are 11 deaths, but we'll get to that shortly. Yes. So after this, um, the police turn up. And then uh, Christopher and Celia have to run away. So they uh, just try and run away into the countryside and they get away and they think they're safe. So they turn up at sort of the uh, home of a shepherd and the shepherd, who is a bit simple, um, just basically lets them stay in his barn. Um, with hay which again and they're kind of Celia in particular is dressed in white so I think there's a lot of uh, re- religious imagery used in this film and I think again like that I found quite interesting that she's basically wearing all white yeah um, very controversial and is as well like in Greece um it's a very catholic place so yeah it's I can see like why this was banned let's say so um, at this point, um, as you do, uh, the shepherd rapes Celia, or at least he starts to, and then Christopher, instead of stopping it, just starts taking pictures again. Yeah, so fucked which... up. And she's like, she's like, what? You know, help me. And he's like, no, I'm just going to take photos, actually. <laughs> yeah, as you do. And so she gets upset, and because she's got upset... The shepherd then basically stops what he's doing and then decides to uh, rape Christopher instead. Yeah, and at at this point I was thinking, right, okay, he deserves that. So he goes over and, like, rapes him. And she sort of, like, calms down a bit and she's like, oh, right, okay. You know, carry on sort of thing because he tried to, uh, you know, he was going to just watch her um, in that position. So then the tables were turned. And it's quite interesting because earlier in the film, I think the reason that Christopher in particular is killing all these people because it's like, well, you know, these people are perverted, you know, these people deserve to die. Whereas the shepherd, he actually refers to, well, these are the innocent people. So they're the ones who deserve to live on this island. And it's like, well, yeah, he's kind of got his comeuppance there, so to speak, um, because the shepherd picks him up, dumps him in this lime pit. And also before he does that, actually farts on him, which I <laughs> Oh, my God. And mm. then he says to Celia, like, oh, he likes you. Come on, you know, help me out. Help me get out. I'm all right. I've not been burned. I'm in the lime pit, but there's no water in here, so I'm okay. And she just says to him, well, God doesn't help perverts. So that's, you know, harking back to the religious theme with all of the white and the things that she's wearing at the end. And she actually seems quite content with this uh, rapey shepherd who has then started to sort of help her out and they're in a relationship. Um, and this is when you find out that that uh, they're brother and sister at this point, and it's like, oh my god! Like it's really sort of such a great part of the film where you're like, this is just so fucked up. The realization that they're actually brother and sister. 
Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, that in and itself, even ignoring all the other fucked up shit that happens in the film, that just by itself is messed up enough. So it's like this, you know, brother and sister, like it does kind of make you wonder. And it's a bit of a shame in a way, although I do kind of understand why they did this, where you don't actually know anything about them before they got to the island at all. It's like they have no backstory. Yeah, but I think that's what what makes it interesting because it really does build so well. It's like it just gets more and more fucked up as the film goes on. And you're thinking, when is this going to stop? It's just so much to take in. And like you say, there's just some awesome music going on. It's just awesomely bad, let's say. It's like, I think the uh, the beginning of the film, there's this film that's like, do you love me like I love you? Something very, very cheesy. And I looked it up and the, the director of this film wrote all of the lyrics for the songs. And I thought that that song was good until Destination Understanding came on. And there's like lyrics in it that are just basically like, get the sword, kill them all, get the sword, kill them all. And that's essentially what he's doing at some point. He's brandishing this sword and running around Mykonos just wanting to kill everybody. So it's all very apt and fitting and such, you know, so so complex and deep and meaningful, the lyrics. Mm. And what I also found kind of interesting is uh, comparing it to a previous film that we've reviewed. So Toolbox Murders, one of the issues I had with that film is the killer in the Toolbox Murders, he's doing, he, ha- he has like religious views and it's very, very conservative. Now, the difference between this is, yes, this is another character that kills people that has very religious views, but the film in this case is basically telling you that they're wrong and the, he is a massive hypocrite, whereas in the Toolbox Murders, it didn't. So that's why it bothered me in that case sense, but it didn't bother me this time. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, so fucked up. I can't go over this film. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, this is going to be a very interesting question then, seeing as how we've got to the end of the film now. Um, given everything that happens in the film, um, are we to say that this is in fact a video nasty? <laughs> Hell yes from me, but by all means watch this because what a spectacle and it is fucked up. And uh, we we haven't actually mentioned at the end, it's so satisfying that he's in the lime pit and it starts to rain and you know he's going to die and he kind of deserves it and she's just going to live... Kind of. Yeah, he really fucking deserves it. <laughs> and she's just going to live with this um simple rapey shepherd and let her brother die and and he he dies and he's the 11th death so there we go satisfying but fucked up so i I recommend this film and yes i mean incest come on and all the other shit that happens totally it should have been banned yeah clearly they didn't have visas in greece in those days so i'm pretty sure it's not as easy as that yeah i'll just stay here now (laughs) um in terms of whether it's a video nasty or not i mean i Obviously, I'm not going to be offended by something like this, but yeah, given gun fellatio, incest, uh, golden showers, um, just yeah, one thing after another, totally see where this was a video nasty. Although, having said that, the film is available uncut from Arrow. Yes, the fine people at Arrow again. Um, this is available on a DVD Blu-ray combo pack. Um, which I actually do want to get because I actually did enjoy this film quite a lot. Um, So (laughs) I will be playing that at some point in the future. And who knows, you should probably do that as well because we both really enjoyed this one. Yeah, I I think everybody should watch this. Like if you're really into horror and just please tweet us your review or any parts that you picked out that you equally enjoyed. 
Um, just, yeah, just let us know what you think. I don't know anybody else that's watched this besides me and you, so... <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. So it's one definitely to be uh, to be sought out and watched for sure. It gets um, five point one on IMDb, so obviously some people didn't enjoy it as much as we did. <laughs> no, um, IMDb, as we've established, is not exactly the most reliable source of uh, scores for films. Um, yeah, Driller Killer five point zero. That's totally fucking wrong. I'm sorry, but yeah, again, I, I although thinking about it, like. The version I saw was completely uncut, had all the material in it. If you're seeing a film and it's got bits taken out of it, it completely kills like the coherence, completely kills the pacing. You've got all the good bits basically taken out. So, yeah, maybe people saw it in that version. Maybe it was lesser quality. Um, the music is pretty cheesy, a lot of it anyway. Um, so, I don't know. Who knows? Or maybe they're just boring. What can I say? Are we going to play the listeners a sample at the end? Because I think we should. Well, you have to wait and see. You have to wait and see. Wait <laughs> till the end of the show. So keep listening, everyone. Um, so um, we move on to our second film of the show, which is uh, also set on an island. And um, this is called The Slayer, although it has the alternative title of Nightmare Island, which actually uh, is a pretty apt title for the film. Um, and this is directed by J.S. Cardoni, who hasn't directed anything of note unless you count the sequel to Joel Schumacher's 8mm, 8mm 2 as uh, a noteworthy film. Although he has written uh, the remake of Prom Night and The Stepfather. So, although he didn't direct those films. So um, he did have uh, a very significant hand in both of those. And both those films are fucking awful from what I understand. So, yeah. Um, so, um, if I was to tell you, Rhea, that you've got a film, it's about a killer who has uh, long nails, um, who kills people in their dreams uh, when people are asleep... Um, what film would you say I was talking about? I would probably say Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> wow. Now, interestingly, this film was actually released before Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. But we cannot really compare it because this film is shit. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> and Nightmare so, on Elm um, Street us... is not shit. <laughs> no, no, indeed. And, um, well, what actually happens in The Slayer? Well, I had high hopes for this film because of the title, because, you know, the band Slayer sounds pretty metal, sounds like there's going to be lots of cool killings. 1982, I'm like, mm, yeah, this could be a good film. Um, so the, the basic synopsis is that siblings, Eric and Kay, and Kay's doctor husband, David, and the sister-in-law, Brooke, along with a pilot called Marsh, they get stranded on an island um, where there's a face-off against a supernatural beast which is drawn to Kay, who dreams of it killing her. Now, when you tell me that synopsis, on paper, that film actually sounds quite awesome. Yeah. Which is, hey, as we said, Nightmare on Elm Street. It's about someone who kills you when you're asleep in your dreams. And you're on an island, and it's like, that sounds pretty awesome. I quite like the sound of this. Um, yeah, the title film, sounds I'm... good. The, I saw some posters for this before I watched it. I'm like, the artwork looks pretty cool. You know, there's lots of flames going on here. It looks awesome. Watch the film. It's like, whoa, okay, this is slow. <laughs> 
Yeah, so unfortunately, the actual, the reality of the film itself does not match the actual concept. Um, when they talk about remakes, um, the best sort of films to remake are really films with good ideas where the execution was lacking. And I actually think you could probably remake this film and do a really good job. Um, yeah. So someone should probably remake this. Yeah. I, think. I mean, fuck it, I'll do it if no one else wants to do it. Yeah, you should. Like, the title in itself is pretty awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like Slayer too. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. The Slayer. It sounds pretty awesome. However, as you've uh, kind of already covered, um, the film is really boring. <laughs> Dull as dishwater, as I put it. <laughs> and it's also really dark, which is actually the same problem uh, that the Dormant Drip Blood had in that we've got um, basically, you can really not, it's hard to tell what's going on for a lot of the scenes because they're so dark. Exactly, yeah. I mean, there was a couple of points that jumped out on me like there's a scene where there's like a a head in the bed or something like decapitated yeah so that happens after the second murder of the film um and yeah um Kay wakes up and you've got uh, the head of her husband next to her but oh no wait it was just a dream yeah and there's a lot of that it feels like false start so it's kind of disappointing um regardless the body count is five apparently in this film but i really struggled to grasp where the deaths were what they were like it was so dark there was one scene that jumped out at me that was pretty cool and a little bit scary but most of it was quite wishy-washy and difficult to see i'll say yeah i mean in fairness, what I will say is um, I didn't enjoy the film, as we've established, and neither did you. Um, I thought the acting was okay. I didn't think it was amazing or anything, but, you know, I thought the acting was all right. I thought the directing was, was okay. Like, it was not outstanding or anything, but... Um, and I thought, you know, the couple of the deaths were quite cool, like the pitchfork death. That was pretty well done, I thought. Um, it's just the pacing of the film. The pacing of the film was just so sedate. And, you know, yeah, nothing just... was happening for such a long time. It was so slow. It was just like, what? Like, just, you know, doesn't have to all be her kind of moping about, like not knowing what to do with herself. Can you not just put a bit of substance in there? <laughs> so the plot of this film can be summed up really very, very succinctly. So you've got two couples. Um, they end up on the island. Fisherman dies. The husband dies, David. Um, they can't find him because he's not there. So they look for him for a while. And those scenes were actually all right, actually. Um, I quite like the atmosphere that those scenes generated. Particularly, there was this old abandoned uh, theatre um, on the island, which is quite interesting. And I liked the way that that looked. And they find his body. Yeah, she... that was definitely the coolest part. Like, I, I liked that bit. I thought that was really eerie and creepy. Yes, and that's as I said, they find his body and then um they Kay's telling them, Look, it's this thing that you no know, kills people in their dreams. I see them die in the dreams and then it happens in real life and obviously as they always do in these kind of films, they don't believe her. Um and then Eric dies. Um he dies in a bit of a shit way, if I'm being honest. Um <laughs> So and- he gets a fish hook put in his mouth and he gets dragged around. Yeah. Which <laughs> doesn't look all that great and because it's so dark you can't really tell what's going on. Yeah, yeah. So definitely the best part was David hang- hanging from the ceiling and her her scream is really like shrill and like goes on for ages and it that's pretty cool that part. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then you have Brooke, who is the sister-in-law, as you said. She gets killed in what I, I thought was the best death in the film, with the pitchfork. Um, it's a pretty different way of, of dying. And it, I, I thought the effects looked really good on that one. Um, and then, yeah, you've just... <laughs> at that point, you only have Kay, the main character, left. Although she isn't actually really in the film that much. Um, there's long stretches of the film where she's not there and it's just other characters talking, which is probably one of the reasons why this film feels so slow. Because um, a lot of the time, she isn't really the focus. Mm, yeah. It's just really disjointed, isn't it? And doesn't really flow that well. No. No, so the first death, um, as I mentioned, is a fisherman who is scalped with a baseball bat, which is quite interesting. So I didn't think you could get scalped with a baseball bat, but hey, apparently did, and it goes flying into a bucket. Okay, <laughs> all right. Which is quite cool. And then you get David's death, which um, you liked. Yeah, I like that. He's kind of he's stuck in the ceiling, and then when she finds him, he's kind of hanging from the ceiling. Um, he kind of like drops out of there and it's quite dramatic and she screams really loud. So. And the deaths are quite protracted as well, um, which in, in films like this, we've got like a slashery type film. I mean, this is kind of a slasher film as well, although the difference between this one and previous slasher films that we've talked about on the, sh- on the show is that it's not a person doing it. It's like a supernatural being that you don't see until the very end of the film. So... So yeah, so in that regard, it's like they had to be a little bit more imaginative with like how people die because they're just killed by what looks like nothing. Yeah, true. So yeah, so Fisherman, David, Eric with the fish hook. Um, and then Brooke. Brooke with the pitchfork. And her death is kind of that sort of stereotypical sort of slasher death where they're bumbling around in the dark. There's a lot of bumbling around in the dark looking for things in this, which again is not good for <laughs> pacing. Um <laughs> So funny. Imagine if it wasn't called The Slayer and it was called Bumbling Around in the Dark. Well, interestingly, there's a jallo called The Police Are Blundering in the Dark. <laughs> so someone has actually already taken that as an idea for a, a title. Um, but yeah, lots of blundering in the dark um, in, in this film. And then, yes, yeah, she, uh, in that stereotypical way of these kind of films, and I love pointing this out because it always happens that people falling over, people being unable to open doors as soon as they're <laughs> under any kind of duress whatsoever. And yep, she gets killed with a pitchfork, um, which I thought looked pretty good, as I said. Um, <laughs> and then you've got like Kay, the main character. She's just in the house by herself for ages. Um, she doesn't have anyone to talk to. And it's kind of like, well, how's this going to work? Because like, she's seen all these other people die. And then admittedly, she does have a vision right at the start of the film. Um, there are a lot of dreams in this film. Um, <laughs> so she has a dream right at the start of the film where she sees something attacking her and it's got really long nails but yeah um, she's just sort of waiting around in the house for something to happen and then Marsh tries to get in the house for some reason I'm not sure why because he doesn't appear for the rest of the film until the right at the very end and then he gets killed with a flare gun yeah um, and then there's like a lot of bumbling around in the dark darkness and, and then at some point you do see the Slayer and it was pretty cool but very short from what I remember. There's just a short flash of him, yeah? 
Yeah, I mean, admittedly, they do kind of save that right to the end, and you do only see it for like a couple of seconds. I think if they'd done it for any longer, it would have looked ridiculous. Yeah, it would have looked so fake. So that quick flash is like enough, and it's kind of cool, you know, it's not amazing. It's not right. And, um, well, as we've mentioned in the film, and this is a pretty massive spoiler, but we don't recommend this film, so I don't really care in this case. <laughs> um, th- this film is all a dream. Yeah, which is so disappointing at the end. And then it goes back to, like, they're like kids again. And I was just like, I'm so fucking confused and disappointed. Like, just woke up and it's all a dream and it's Christmas Day and everything's happy. And it's just like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, I mean it does make sense if you if you watch the film. However, the film is so uninteresting that like it, I and you found it quite hard to pay attention to. Yeah. Um to I've kind of put zero, it into I've got zero enthusiasm for this film like <laughs> sorry. Yeah. That's all right. I don't really blame you. And now, I mean, to compare it to, so Island of Death, I wrote about three pages of notes for it. And the Slayer, I managed just about one. Yeah. So it kind of shows you like how interesting this film was to write about or talk about. Yeah, I've got five for Island of Death and one page of notes for the Slayer. So there it's, we go. Uh, I mean, I've heard some people say that like this is actually a good film, and I can kind of see why you would say that because, as I mentioned earlier, like the acting is okay, the dialogue is all right if very expositionary heavy in a lot of places. Um, the effects are okay, the directing is okay, um, but it's just just not been written very well. It's just there's the, there's no kind of. <sighs> There's no tension, so when things happen, there's no urgency. It's just really feels really, really long and drawn out, even though it's not. Yeah, very true. It's just not structured that well. No. So, uh, well, in terms of should it be a video nasty, I'm going to give it a very easy no. I'm not even sure why this was on the list in the first place, because there's nothing really controversial that happens in it, um, unless they really, really didn't like Slayer. And they just thought the Slayer. Maybe it's the same thing. They're also gonna. It's gonna be about you know Nazis, <laughs> Angel of Death. So I don't know. Maybe the the BBFC got confused. Possibly I don't know. Yeah, maybe I think they didn't watch it, and the premise sounded much more thre- threatening or awesome, however you want to view it, than it actually is. And they're like, it's banned, and that was that. And yeah, I'm going to say no, I don't think it should have been banned because there's nothing even mildly offensive about this film. No. Um, However, (laughs) if uh, our amazing review has not convinced you uh, to not watch the film already and you do want to view it and you're in the UK, you can in fact buy this right now from Cornerstone Media. Um, Those people again. um, I believe they also released The Dormant Drip Blood, so crap slasher films are obviously um, their uh, market that they're trying to conquer at the moment. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that's uh, how you view it if you want to watch that film, but really not very interesting, probably one to avoid. (laughs) <laughs> well, not as uh, bad as the one we're about to discuss because I think I preferred this one of the next one that we're going to talk about. <sighs> yes. Um, so we come to our last film set on an island for today. Uh, and this film is called The Ghastly Ones. Um, 
otherwise known as blood rites, which I believe some in America, maybe some other places, more commonly known as that, or indeed blood orgy, which makes it sound more exciting than it actually is. Um, this is directed by Andy Milligan, who is, uh, from what I understand, a perpetrator of films that are very, very, very low budget, very incoherent. Um, if this is certainly if this is anything to go by, I will definitely not be watching any of his other films. Um, <laughs> so either. Ria. What the almighty fuck happens in the ghastly ones? Because <laughs> what? How did you interpret this film? A pile of shit. I mean, um, <laughs> no. Uh, Nineteen sixty-eight. This film was made, and it's uh, very shoddily put together and shot. <laughs> so you can you can tell that it's back in the sixties, but it's by no means as good quality as some of the previous sixties films that we've talked about. So the the brief synopsis. Three married couples are forced to spend the night in a Victorian-era house where they start getting killed off by a deranged psycho who's hell-bent on claiming an inheritance that they are all entitled to and that they all want. Now, that is the synopsis of the film. However, it took a few goes for us to kind of actually work out what the fuck is actually supposed to be happening in this film. And now, the reason for that... Now, there are what are called good bad films so like blood feast for example which was actually released five years earlier than this and is actually more professionally made than this film so we're talking the herschel gordon lewis here low budget sort of you know even the acting is better in blood feast than it is in this film um yeah. <laughs> although i would say so anyway so to get my point across so you have like films that are funny like cannibal terror was funny when we talked about it let's oh, face yeah. it it was a shit film but it was absolutely hilarious to talk about this film is not even really funny no it's just fucking shit it's just so terrible and like looking back at my notes i tried to find some positives in this film i really struggled oh wow I've, <laughs> I've put like because of the victorian era house and even though it's shot in the 60s they've um they've kind of um placed the plot a much earlier time so it is quite victorian and i've put that there's like nice vintage styling and clothing and that there's quite a good sort of visual effect with the styling um but like i say the the footage is really shoddy um i've put dramatic old school music which i think when it first started i was quite hopeful of paired with the victorian-esque sort of clothing and styling and then i've just put naff <laughs> because i was just like so bored <laughs> it just really drags on and there's not a lot that sort of stands out so i tried to pull out some positives but it's very difficult to find anything that i like about this film i even think you're being generous with the costuming if i'm being honest because the reason i say that is because at the start of the film it's like okay is this set in period but then when they're like in their underwear all the underwear is modern for that time so it's like i have no idea what the, what's actually going on here when is this supposed to be set because there's no kind of indication as to what period this is supposed to be yeah, and then it's like, is the footage just shit, or is this some kind of effect to make it look oh, like Oh no, a shot I'm sure it is literally just shit. <laughs> oh god, yeah, just so bad. I was trying to be optimistic there, but the rest of the film, I mean, we ha I have, or with your help, we have picked up the death count here, and it's eight, which sounds dramatic and eventful, but there's really not much going on, so... No, so our first two deaths take place in the first five minutes of the film. Now... 
And the first five minutes of the film, I are, have no relevance to the rest of the film whatsoever. Literally, you've got a couple. Um, they appear to be in a forest or some kind of woody area. They get killed by a man with a knife. And then this is never brought up for the rest of the film. Yeah, I think he's stabbed in the eyeball. Um, sounds It sounds eventful, but it's really not. <laughs> no, and the way that the killings are shot are completely ridiculous, so you can't actually even work out what's going on. I had difficulty even working out, like, well, hang on, has he got a knife? Because um, the director has decided to use, like, a swirly cam effect, so people who complain about, oh, I don't know, found footage films, so like Blair Witch or films like that being like, oh, shaky cam, shaky cam, shaky cam. Honestly, they have nothing on this. Nothing <laughs> whatsoever. You, know, you watch this and then fucking watch one of those films and you will never complain about shaky cam in a found footage film ever again. Honestly. This is like the pits, this film, isn't it? Yeah, so... Uh, you it, can't um, win them all. We're going to have... We're watching all 72 video nasties. We're going to do it properly and we're completists, so we have to watch it. <laughs> yes, we had to suffer. And this film is 71 minutes long. And it's the longest 71 minutes of my life. Yeah, time that we're never going to get back. So won't be revisiting this one. <laughs> no, not really, no. Um, so we got our first two deaths and then we cut to our sort of uh, main character, I guess, and her husband. And one of the issues I have with this film, as I'm sure you do as well, is characters talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and they talk about nothing, uh, but they just talk for ages. At one and... point he called her a brazen hussy and I was like, oh, is this going to get exciting? And then nothing really happened, so it was nothing. <laughs> no and bear in mind this film as i said it's not a long film but there's so much talking in it and the talking is so quick that like literally i took nothing in that these characters were talking about i saw this film yesterday um in preparation for this show and i can barely remember anything that they talked about on the whole show um oh, sorry what the fuck am i talking about i can barely remember anything they talked about in the whole film yeah i literally it's just total total incoherent total nonsense all filler no killer well <laughs> Exactly. Just all filler. Like it's like they're just stalling for time constantly. It's just really bad. Well, so after that, we then have a scene because apparently these characters need money. So uh, the husband, whose name is Richard, um, his brother Walter apparently has a lot of money. So they go and talk to him for a few minutes, and they talk and they talk and they talk and they talk. And he, Walter, the brother, he appears to be in sort of. I don't know. The, the impression I got was they were in him and his brother in some kind of homoerotic relationship because I could cut the sexual tension between them with a knife. But again, <laughs> that goes nowhere. Literally, that goes nowhere. It's just in the film and it's never referred to again. So we've got 10 minutes where literally nothing of any relevance to the rest of the film happens. This film could have been an hour long. I'm, enjoy I'm really enjoying your rant about this because this film is so shit. Oh, well, there you go. So if you allow me to continue, at the beginning, do you remember when the first murder is happening and you will suddenly hear a, no a voice in the background going, cutting away? That's the director. You can hear the director on the soundtrack of this film, like actually directing. That's how amateurish this is. Ladies and gentlemen, Greg Knox. <laughs> Carry on, so, Greg. I'm enjoying no, it. No, no, it's fine. more entertaining than the film. Come on. Well, Keep and going. there you go. So I've got to be honest. About halfway through the film, I gave up with pointing out all the absolutely terrible sort of directing, the bad cinematography, the way shots are framed. So there's a shot. Um, about 15 minutes into the film where you've got two characters talking to each other and their heads are at the bottom of the frame and in the centre of the frame is a candle. <laughs> 
That's how they he decided to frame that shot. Um, they've got shots that go out of focus. You've got shots where the camera is too close to the person who is speaking. Um, you've got um, just really awful camera work, as I mentioned earlier, sort of when all the killings are happening, because clearly they had a budget of about 75p. Like, just kind of get around that. You've got the camera going, swirling around everywhere, which happens quite a lot. You've got characters talking for ages and nothing happening, which I've actually said, like, a lot. Oh, so, but wait, but- there was a dead rabbit in a bed like that bit was all right (laughs) (laughs) okay um yet you've got a character who's colin who is one of the only characters i actually remembered in the film because they at least kind of made an effort for to actually establish the character who they are and kind of their traits and things like that so colin is a bit simple-minded he's a cretin i believe is a term that they use in the description of this film which is an amazing word that should be used more often um so yeah so he just randomly in the middle of the film kills and eats a, he just starts eating a rabbit just picks it up off the floor and just starts eating it, a live rabbit and i believe that was one of the reasons that the film got in trouble at the time right. because this was actually prosecuted if you believe that this fucking film was fucking prosecuted <laughs> so someone sat in court and actually decided that this film should be branded as obscene why did they even watch it in the first place oh, after God, five minutes i, I would have know. turned it off if we were not reviewing it for the show <laughs> i do not know honestly like beggar's belief it really does <laughs> so yeah then so you've got lawyer yep and then you've got um <laughs> most amazing character in the film so his character name is lawyer dobbs that's the actual name so they're the lawyer so the plot of the film is basically your substandard like you've got um old person has died their children all basically want the inheritance there's a scene like where the will is read out and they have to stay stay in a house for like three days and whoever's left over at the end they will get a share of the money and basically it's people scheming who basically want the money essentially (laughs) that's the plot and do you remember lawyer dobbs this old man what was he wearing what the fuck was he wearing during the scene he was wearing like sort of a weird hood for the whole film and he was so pale as well he was so white he looked like the fucking emperor from star wars it just looked ridiculous the whole thing just made no sense like like it didn't fit (laughs) so he didn't fit my head's gonna explode honestly (laughs) keep it up i'm enjoying it this is good Good for good for the listeners. <laughs> well, exactly. If you want to hear me rant about a shit film, um, remember when I went point, on that rant about uh, what was it, Cannibal? The uh... Um, uh, man from Deep River. Yeah, yes. you went on a rant, and I was just wow. Okay, <laughs> I just left you to it. It's your turn like, now, so uh, yeah. take it away. At one point, a character in the film says, "I am lost." You're not the only one, mate. <laughs> Oh my god, this is too funny. Um, yeah, but then there's like, isn't there like a woman's head on a dinner platter? Surely that part's okay. interesting. Well, okay, so I mean, I've kind of spoken for long enough here. You, we established your, your body count girl here. So, yes, so you've got the two characters at the beginning, they die, and then when they get to the island, the, the deaths sort of pick up again. The man is, po- so I've got forest, man, eyeball stab, <laughs> two, death two, woman, hand, <laughs> hand cut off. Death, yep. death three, man poisoned, collapses somehow. Not sure. It's a bit dark, a bit bumbly. Um, number four, there's a man gutted with a knife, which should have been interesting, but wasn't. Uh, number five, woman's head on dinner platter. Should have been interesting, but not going to lie, I zoned out by this point. Not sure I even saw that part. I think it was too dark and bumbly. <laughs> yeah. yeah Six. Just things, things just 
stops just seem to happen. So people either talk for ages or people just randomly dive without any rhyme or reason. Yeah, and it's just kind of all merges into one and there's far too much dialogue going on. Number six, the husband with a pitchfork. It's one of those weapons that they like to throw in there, as we discussed in the last film. Wasn't as good as the pitchfork death in the Slayer, not at all. Um, number seven, servant woman. Uh, Colin is sat on fire. There's like a servant woman. We're not sure who she is. She has a shit mask on. Um, she gets stabbed in the head. She falls down the stairs. Colin, Colin is the one stabbing her in the head. And then she's the one falling down the stairs. And he's on fire. And then we weren't sure if he died or not because it's a bit fucking dark and shoddy. And then, <laughs> uh, Colin collapses. So we presume he died. But I'm not sure because I was probably asleep by this point. Uh, yeah yeah the plot of this film doesn't matter like i don't want anyone to watch this film like unless you're like me and you're a sadist and you have to watch all these films you have to take the good with the bad well the bad with the good i suppose unfortunately and uh, yeah this is one of the examples of that unfortunately they can't all be winners yeah basically the twist is it's one of the servants it turns out they're actually one an older sister that the um, father had a previous wife that died in childbirth as they normally do and um, yeah she was outcasted and you know she was raised as a servant and had to pretend that like Colin was her brother or something like that I don't know it doesn't fucking matter at the end of the day it was her she did it she wants the inheritance she dies at the end she screws everybody over who gives a fuck this film is shit don't watch it <sighs> Um, it's a good job we can't get fired for swearing because it's our own show. So there we uh, go. Exactly. This film exactly. will make you swear. That's what I'm going to say because you'll be so pissed off that you wasted your time watching it. You'll want to f and blind your way through uh, a ranty review like we have just done. Yeah, I mean, it's just if you want to watch a film that's like when people give bad reviews to films these days. I mean, like say for example, you watch a comedy. A comedy can be bad because it's not funny. But the film will at least be competently made. This is not even competently made. It's shot badly. It's edited really badly. The editing is so shit. Like, scenes just start and stop just completely out of nowhere. Like, just without any kind of coherent thought structure whatsoever. And um, you would think the that they would redeem it with editing. And, like, you think that that's the part that they can't fuck up because they've got more time to edit. You know, it's just like, why? <laughs> And the, one of the worst things is, again, we talked about the last film having a shit ending. This has a really shit ending. A sort of a, another turd on top of a really massive shit sandwich. <laughs> basically. <laughs> Go on. So, so basically what happens is, so like the killer and Colin, they both, ah, uh, they just die like that. And then, oh my God, Lawyer Dobbs is going to turn up. And then the film just ends. So we don't <laughs> even know what happens after that. There are two sisters left alive. Like it's even more, I, I, it's I even know. worse what? than it was all a dream, you know. Oh, it just sort of ends. It doesn't even end abruptly like Evil Speak did. Evil Speak at least had an ending, and it was just a bit abrupt. And that ending was fucking cool, as we discussed in the last show. Like this was just not even like it just didn't even end. It's not even a proper ending. <laughs> it's not even a proper film. I'm gonna venture that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could have made yeah, a better so... film like on my iPhone. I think. <laughs> 
probably, like, literally anyone right now could probably make a better film than this, as you said, on their iPhone, or literally just buy a camcorder. If you had a camcorder in the 1980s, like one of those 80s camcorders, where you had really big tapes in them, you could make a better film than this. It At least it would probably be framed better. At least people know how films are supposed to look. <laughs> and I don't know if these were conscious decisions the director made as to, like, well, you know what, I'm just going to shoot it this way, just because or whether they had to do it because of budgetary constraints. I frankly don't know. And frankly, I don't fucking care, to be honest. <laughs> What's a royal waste of time. sucks. It sucks. The biggest, veiniest dick imaginable. <laughs> oh my however, God. <laughs> however, it's not the worst film on the video nasties list from what I've been told. So there is actually a film that we might, we're going to watch at some point that's apparently <laughs> worse than this. <laughs> Cannibal Terror is better than this film. That is saying something. <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> um. So anyway, um, it's, this is not a video nasty, not at all. Um, no, <laughs> it's not a video nasty. Everybody, it shouldn't have been on the list. In fact, it being on the list is probably the only reason that I watched it, and it's probably the only reason why a lot of people watched it, which is really, really a shame. Because, honestly, again, similar to other films that we've talked about, if it wasn't on this list, it would have just disappeared into obscurity and it would never have been spoken about again. <gasps> but, hey, whatever, you know, you win some, you lose some, as you said. <laughs> and uh, I think I've killed Rhea. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm all right, I got a drink of water and back. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah. So we both agree this is not a video nasty, and you will be absolutely shocked to hear that this is not available on DVD in the UK. Oh, how appalling! So what a shame. You'll um have to seek alternative methods of watching this. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> so um anyway, um so that's the end of the show, everybody. Um so that was a. Uh, that was certainly one for the ages. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> In conclusion, so, watch Island of Death. Don't watch the Slayer or the Ghastly ones, <laughs> please. Yeah, no, Island of Death, really cool film. Slayer, really boring. Ghastly ones, absolutely atrocious. Don't watch it. Um, so yeah, so that is the end of the show. And I want to thank everyone for listening, listening to me rant for the last fifteen minutes. I hope you were as entertained as Rhea was. Um, if you um, like the show, please subscribe on iTunes or on YouTube. Um, so our YouTube page is The Lament Configuration Podcast. That is also the name of our Facebook page. Um, so if you subscribe on there, you'll get every update when we do a new show and any cool stuff that we want to put up. Um, you can also find that on Twitter at, at Lament Horror. That's at Lament Horror. And I have been reoffend Alternative Model, also available on my public page on Facebook, reoffend. That's F-E-N-D. And I am on Instagram and Twitter as Rhea underscore Fend. Um, look me up. I hope you've enjoyed the show and I'm looking forward to covering three more video nasties next time. Yes, so our next show is going to be a Toby Hooper special because Toby Hooper has two films on the Video Nasties list and um, he's a great director, so I'm looking forward to uh, talking about that. Um, to end the show on a positive note, after so much sort of uh, bile being spewed by myself, um, because we love it so much, it's such a catchy song. We talked about it earlier in the show. This is from the Island of Death soundtrack. This is Destination Understanding. I hope you love it as much as we do. Mother, I see the wonders of the day 
Millions of people left like clay Millions of whispers saying I'm dying Mother, I see the wonders of the day Millions of people left like clay Millions of whispers saying I'm dying I see the earth move under my feet The giant killers made of concrete I shout I'm happy And I'm lying Desperation, understanding Destination isn't ending Desperation, understanding Destination isn't ending Get the sword, get the sword 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 was born in thousand meanings And I was made from evil spinnings Why Jesus said, look, I'm flying There is a pocket in my hole To save the raindrops for the fall that means I'm rich cause I'm crying Desperation, understanding Destination isn't ending Desperation, understanding